But you know what? As long as you know how to say Jesus, yes. you're going to be okay. Yes. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, he is the way maker. I mean, that's, you know, he is the way, not a way, the way. So he's going to make a way because he is the way, right? That's right. And we call on his name. That's where salvation is. That's where deliverance is. That's where healing is. That's where restoration is. It's in the name of Jesus. I'll share something real quick. You know, I was praying for someone earlier this week, and as I went into my room to pray, I felt compelled. I went in there, and I could not think of one scripture to pray over this person's life. Your pastor. I couldn't think of, like, I had to literally, literally, I'm not joking. I went to my Bible, and I turned to the back. I'm like, let me look over here. This person's going through this. And I looked up the script. I cheated. Hello, somebody. It's not cheating. It's there. It's in the book, right? In my anyway. My point is that when I got in there to pray, I knew something. I didn't know what to say, but I knew who I was coming to. Amen. I knew who I was crying out to. And I believe that there's some times in our lives that we don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. We just need to know who to cry out to. Yeah. That's right. Who to call upon. Hallelujah. And in church, it's always Jesus. Yes. Amen. Come on, give me That's not just the church answer. That's the right answer always. Amen. Amen. Our children are dismissed to core kids right now. If you would open your Bibles as they are leaving the the room to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and we are going to start in verse 19. Mm -hmm. So... James chapter 1 and verse 19. And if you can remain standing for the reading of God's word, that would be highly appreciated. James chapter 1 verse 19. James chapter 19, chapter 1 verse 19. When you got to say so. So. And it says, so then my beloved brethren. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he himself observe, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless, pure, and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Lord, we thank you you, for your word today that is truth, for your word today that is relevant For your word today, Lord God, that calls us to action. You reminded us this morning as we worship, there is no greater name than the name of Jesus. At that name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, whether in heaven, whether under the earth, Lord God, whether on the earth, that you are Lord. And so we bow with that heart before you today. And I pray, Spirit of God, that as we look into your word, that the weight of this truth would be upon us. 
that we would respond in faith as doers, not hearers alone. We pray this in the good and powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, you just raise your hand and hold it up, and the ushers will make sure that they get you an outline. Uh, it's important to me that you have an outline, and that way you can follow along in the uh, beginning of the sermon. You can also take notes throughout, and there's a couple of very important questions on that outline as we will look at today for you. They are there every week, and it is for your benefit, and hopefully that you will respond in this way. Uh, for those of you that are following along in the Bible Reading Challenge, today is day 147 in the Bible Reading Challenge. We are in the book of Nehemiah chapters 8 through 10, and so my hope and prayer is that you are following along in this challenge with us. Um, and if you're not, jump right in. And, you know, there's never, it's never too late um, until, until it's 2018. Then it's too late. Then you missed the 2017 challenge. Hello. But as long as it's 2017, you're good to go. At any point, you can jump in. And so I encourage you to do that so you can be in the Word of God with us. And so we are here in the book of James. We are in our Testify series. So if you look at your outline here, most of us do not like to be tested. If I ask for a show of hands, I will not ask for that. But most of us, we don't anticipate tests, right? I mean, or we don't like tests. We don't. When we're in school, you think about it, there's some people that they hate tests so much when they get to the testing moment, they could have studied all night, all week, all month, all semester. And when it comes to that test time, they freeze up because something just overtakes them. Their nerves get the best of them. And so a lot of us, you know, you know we don't enjoy that. However, when we know we are going to be tested, we typically pay closer attention, do we not? Or we devise a plan mm -hmm. to ensure we pass the upcoming test. That's what we do, right? Whether, you know, I know nobody in here would ever cheat or anything like that. But nonetheless, we devise plans to make sure I pass this test. So you're going to study this way. You're going to prepare this way. But you are going to pay attention to make sure that you pass the test. And this should be our practice in our faith walk. That's called active listening. And what James is talking to us about here in this portion of Scripture is us not only hearing God's word, but us doing and obeying God's word. And it's important for us to hear what James is saying. The book of James helps us to understand that the testing of our faith will happen and in actuality is happening at all times, whether it is through some great trial that we're facing or in our everyday responses to the word of God. We are always on the witness stand. Please understand this. We are always at every moment of our lives on the witness stand of our faith. We are consistently and continually witnessing to the world of our faith in God. It's always being, we're always testifying. That's the reason for the, the title of the series, Testify. That's what we're doing. When we're going through trials, difficulties in our life, which is what James talks about, when we go through those types of trials, we go through those types of difficulties, it is in those moments that we, our faith is seen on a different level. But every day, in the way you deal with your kids, in the way you deal with your spouse, in the way you deal with your neighbor, the type of employee that you are, those are all witnesses to what? Your obedience to the word of God. And here, the last paragraph, as believers, there is no greater outward validation to our faith than our obedient response to the word of God. You should underline that. There is no greater outward validation 
than our obedient response to the word of God. No greater outward, I mean, it's, it's an outward validation. This is, this is something that is proof of our salvation. This is proving that we are true followers of Jesus. It is our obedience to the word of God. Jesus tells us in, in, in the gospel of John, he tells his disciples that you will do what? You will abide in my word. That's how we're going to be his disciples, by abiding in his word. We'll be known as his disciples for the love we have for one another, but we are going to be his disciples by our abiding in and obeying the word of God. And so James, the brother of Jesus, comes hard in this part of the chapter. And I want you to know that this is going to be a heavy message, so don't think that this is one that is going to feel good. I promise you it will not. But the truth must be preached, and the truth can set us free. And as we look at the scriptures, we have to understand these things. And this is what we're going to talk about. We must strive to receive the word of God. We must purpose to be doers of the word of God. And we must ensure our public worship aligns with the word of God. Those are the three things that we're going to talk about today that we see outlined here in James. And so here is the big idea for today. God's word is living truth that must be heard and heeded. God's word is living truth that must be heard and heeded. I think I've shared this before, but I'll share it again because as I, this week I saw the actual whole video. But you guys um, know who Francis Chan is. If not, he's probably one of the, to me, I mean, in my opinion, he's one of the most powerful speakers and preachers of the word of God that I have ever listened to. Um, not, not only does he, you know, speak authoritatively, but he's a guy that you know was in the presence of God when he's speaking to you. You sense it in your heart, but he's talking in a discipleship conference. And in this discipleship conference, he said, he was talking to the, to the people and he said, you know, Christianity is, is a weird kind of religion. It's become a weird kind of religion. Because when you talk about being a disciple of Jesus, understand this, a disciple is a follower. This is me talking, not him. But being a disciple of Jesus is to be a follower of Jesus, right? It's to be a student, but it's not a student like we think of students in our culture. In our culture, we think of students like this. So you come to a classroom, you sit down, you you get some information, you process it so that way you can pass a test, a written exam, you get a grade, and then you move on with your life. And a lot of students, I mean, be realistic, you know, some of you think about the things that you went through, the tests you took in school. You need none of that for real life. Is that true? That's the reason why people are the way they are in church. It's because from the young age, we decide what we're going to keep, what we're going to throw away. Well, I don't really, I'm not going to need that for my life. Let me let you know something. Anytime you come into a building where the gospel is being preached, you need that. This is not stuff that you just push to the side. Anytime you open your Bible, whatever, listen, you're in the book of Numbers. Hello, somebody. You need that. There's something in there that you need. There is no place where God's breath is that you don't need it. And understand that all scripture is divinely breathed in. The apnustos, the divinely breathed in word. God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. And so when we sit and we hear, what happens is we have to be those that are hearing the word of God. And so Francis Chan goes on to say, he says, you know, we're, we're, we're a funny kind of people. He said, because we're the only people that think that God just wants us to know what he says but not do what he says. He said, let me give you an example. He said, if I told my daughter, hey, I want you to go clean your room. And then my daughter walked away from me, and she went into her room, and she came back a few minutes later, and she said, Dad, I know what you said. Clean my room. And I can tell you it in the Greek. <laughs> That's for those deep Christians, right? They want to interpret the word. The, word, the Greek word. Is, I don't, listen, 
God could care less about your ability to pronounce a Greek word, know what the Greek word is. God could care less about you um, just repeating back to him what he said for you to do. He wants you to do it. He wants you and me to obey what he says. He's not saying, hey, I just want to talk to you for a little bit. See if you want to do this. God is not wasting words. As a matter of fact, if you read your Bible, and I hope that you are following along, you will notice someone. Someone emailed me, and they were like, man, it's like God repeats himself over and over and over again. I'm like, yeah, because we're hard-headed. Because we don't listen. Because he says one thing to one generation, you would figure that next generation would get it, but they don't. And so what happens? Someone rises up, and they serve God. They bow before God. They worship him. And all of a sudden, they have peace. They have prosperity. They have blessing. And then what happens? The next generation of fools rise up. And they do what? Well, we don't need to follow his example. We don't need to obey God's word. We can do it our own way. And then guess what happens? They start to be judged. They start to go under all these things because what? Because they thought God was giving them some holy suggestions. That is not what God's word is. God's word is holy, it is living, and it must be heeded by us. And so the first thing that I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must strive strive to receive receive the word of God. We must strive to receive the very word of God. That is what we should be doing. And so we see here in the scripture, verse 19 to 20 and then 21, verses 19 and 20, we went through last week. Remember, it says that all of us should be swift to listen, right? That we should be slow to speak, that we should be slow to wrath because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We talked about that last week and it dealing with the context, right? And don't, don't think I forgot about our memory verse. Hello, somebody, right? My brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> y'all go, y'all, y'all go. Y'all are doing a great job. I started laughing. Go ahead. She's doing it. Y'all following her? That's my connect right there. Hello. My connect leaders to be uh, to be to be correct. And so here is the thing. What we find is that in the second part of that verse, he says what? He says the testing of your faith produces patience. And so what happens is God, through our trials, is trying to produce something in us. But what is happening on the other side? What is happening on the other side is that we are wrestling with, battling against what God is trying to do, arguing with, rejecting, being angry with God because why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this trial? Why am I experiencing this hardship? Why, am I not, why, am, why, is, why does my life not look like their life? And so he says, you need to be quick to listen, swift to listen. In other words, you need to be welcoming to the word of God. You need to be receiving of God's word. But we have to strive to receive God's word. Why is that? Because Galatians chapter 5, it tells us what? In verses 16 to 17, you don't have to turn there right now. You should write that down. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 17 tells us that our flesh and the spirit of God are in a constant battle. There is a constant war that is going on. We see it throughout the scripture. In Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul, he pulls back the veil of of salvation by grace and he shows that there's a battle that is warring in his soul. There's something going on inside of him. There's something that he's fighting. There is a battle there. And what you and I have to realize is that while we may battle to obey God, I want you to know where the battle is won and it is when you decide to receive the word of God. And verse 21 is what we'll look at here. He says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness. Say all filthiness. filthiness. Overflow wickedness and receive. Say receive. Receive. With meekness. 
the implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. So he tells us to do some things. He says, you need to lay aside. You need to, you need to remove certain things from your lifestyle. You need to remove some things from the way that you think. You need to remove some stuff if you are going to be able to receive the implanted word. Because if not, then guess what? You're going to continue to disobey God. You're going to continue to disobey what he says. You're going to continue to do what it is that you want to do rather than what he tells you to do. See, we have to understand something, that our flesh is, uh, is, is 100% opposed to submitting to the laws of God, and yet it wants the blessing of God. Get that. Our flesh does not want to obey Jesus, but you want every blessing that God has for you. Come on, I mean, let's just think about it. You know, we're not, we're, we're not embarrassing anyone here, but y'all want promotions at work, don't you? Right? Y'all want to have health in your life. You, you guys want to have all of these things. And listen, I'm not saying that a person that is broke is not blessed. I'm not saying a person that is sick is not blessed. I'm not saying any of those things. But we want to see the fullness of everything God has for us. But how many of us are willing to get up an hour early to see God's face? How many of us are willing to go ahead and spend an extra hour a day seeking the face of the Lord? And listen, I'm not going to give you a little pass and say, hey, just start with 10 minutes. Listen, we got to grow up. We got to come to the place that we move beyond five minutes and ten minutes in God's presence. We need to be those kind of people that are really seeking God's heart. I mean, come on, that, that's what should be happening to us. Some of us have heard, give God ten minutes for the last ten years of your life. Hello, somebody. I'm just saying, if we're going to be honest about it. And so the truth is, James is telling us that we need to fight for, we need to strive to receive the word of God. We must be quick to listen. Think about the book of Acts chapter 17, the Bereans that were there. It says that they were of, of a more noble mind. They were more fair-minded than the Thessalonians because what? Because they received the word that was there. They welcomed it and they studied the scriptures daily to see if the things that Paul was saying were accurate. And this is what James is saying, that we need to be like the Bereans, that we need to come to God's word and say, listen, I want to hear what God has to say. I'm prepared to hear what God has to say. I want to listen to the truth of God's word. I want to welcome that into my life. This is what he's talking about when he's saying for us to be swift to listen. But we have to lay aside. We have to get these things out of the way. And so when we look at this word filthiness, I think y'all know what filthy is, don't you? You know what filthy is, right? That's your three-year-old son playing in the mud. That's filthy, right? That's somebody who just came out of working on a car and they're just filthy, right? That's someone who just finished, you know, playing a sport and they're filthy, right? I mean, like, like those, those things are filthy, right? I mean, that's filthy. I'm going to give you definitions a little bit further since you don't understand filthy. Um, I'm just kidding. Filthy means moral vice is what he says here. It says, as well as dirty garments, sometimes referring to ear wax. Now, the reason I bring that up is because we're talking about hearing the word of God. By the way, the title of the message is hearing test. We're talking about hearing. And so we need to remove what it is that's stopping up our ears. And then he goes on and he says to remove not just that, but he also says for us to do what? To remove the wickedness or the evil desires or the intents that are within our heart. We all battle with these things in our lives because if we do not do that, then guess what we can't do? Then we cannot receive the word of God, which is able to save us. Please know this. He is talking to this church, and he is telling them, you have to receive the word of God with meekness. Say meekness. 
That's with a welcoming heart. That's with a humble heart. That's with an acknowledgement that where I am, that I am not at the place where I can just do things on my own, but I need the word of God in my life. I'm not above the word of God. I'm not above the preacher. I'm not above the teacher. I'm not above that person who is sharing God's word with me, but I need that word in my life. Receive the word of God with meekness because it is able to save. Say save. It is able to save. That word social, that word means salvation, but it also means deliverance. And so there are two options here when we read this text that we can look at. We can look at one option, which is to say that, he is see, that he's speaking up the first part of salvation, which is the actual, um, the whole of salvation, which is when I put my faith in Jesus, I am saved from my sin. I would think that that's not being applied here because even though that is true, that God's word can save our souls, what I realize is that he's writing to Christians who are already saved. In other words, they're already justified. They already have a right standing with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And he's talking to them not about their glorification. That's the end of our salvation. He's talking about this middle part of our salvation, which is called sanctification. Say sanctification. See, sanctification is between the day you said I do to Jesus and the day that he says welcome into my kingdom. That's the, ti that's the time period here. And he's referring to this, and it's because we are stuck in the way that the world thinks. We are stuck in the desires of our flesh. And, and James is telling him, receive this word that is able to deliver your soul, that is able to save your soul, that is able to sanctify your soul, that is able to purify your soul, that is able to break you free from those things that hold you back. That's what he's telling him. He's saying, listen, receive the word of God because it is God's word that is going to bring deliverance. He said, the thing I want you to get is we must strive to receive God's word at all costs. Hear me. If obedience to God's word is not of primary value to us, we will dishonor God. And hear this. We should question our commitment to him. Listen, if you and I are not obeying the word of God, we should not think we're cool with God. Hear me. We shouldn't be like, oh, well, you know, hey, man, I said a prayer one day, so I'm good. I was baptized one day, so I'm good. Listen to me. Baptism don't save you. Are you hearing me? Baptism does not save you. Saying a prayer does not save you. That is not what it is. We have to abide in his word. This is what the scriptures teach us, to continue to walk so we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of what Jesus is. And listen, your works do not save you, but your works prove you're saved. Understand that. Your works, listen, no matter how much you read your Bible, that's not going to save you. No matter how much you pray, that's not going to save you. No matter how much you give, that's not going to save you. None of those things save you. But all of those things are indicators. Is this person really saved? This is why James is talking here. And so let's move on to this next point here. Say this with me. We must purpose, we must purpose. to be doers, be doers of the word of God. We must purpose to be doers of the word of God. Let's read in verse 22 here. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does so hear what James is saying here he's saying listen don't be hearers of the word alone be doers of it not deceiving yourselves I need you to understand this and listen if you chimed out already I need you to chime back in right now because this is probably the most important thing that I'm gonna say this morning and I say that to be serious the church is filled with deceived people 
in this room right now, and I love you, listen, this hurts me to have to say this. The church is filled with deceived people. Jesus said there were wheat and there were tares, and they looked just alike. There were two, they, they, they stood side by side. And Jesus told the people in this parable, in the gospel, he told them, listen, don't pull out the, don't pull out the tares right now because you're going to mess up the wheat. There's coming a day of judgment. And in that day, that is when we're going to see the goats are going to go one way, the sheep are going another. There's going to be a day when there are people who are going to stand before the throne room of God. And they are going to believe that they are going in because they sat in a church, because they heard a preacher preach, because they said a prayer, because they did all kinds of things, and yet they were not doers of the word of God. Jesus said it clearly. Part from me, you worker of iniquity. This is Jesus' words, not mine. The thing that is supposed to be the best thing for us, for many, has become the worst thing, and that's the preaching of the Bible. Because you know what happens in your outline there? I want you to look at your outline. On the, on, on the, right, there's, on the right page, under the notes there, there are two questions that are there in every single outline that you receive. Every week you receive this. And, and the questions are these. The first one is, what do you believe the Lord has spoken to you? First question, that's for you to answer, not for me. In the preaching, 30 minutes that I have that I share before you, in that time, what do you believe God spoke to you? Write down, I mean, you should be writing down one thing, maybe three things, maybe five, but at least one thing. The second question is imperative, and it is what are you going to do about it? It's my paraphrase of it, but that's what it's asking. What are you going to do to obey that? What are you going to do? What I want you to know is the reason why that is there in the outline is because I don't want you to just sit there and chew and, 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 and you know, like just, you know, just zone out or whatever and get lost in the preaching. I want you to think what is it that God is calling you to do every single week? Because you know what? I know what I do every single week. I pray for you and I ask God, God, speak to your people. God, listen, hear my prayer for them. Hear them as they're praying. What is it that you want to say to them? So you know what I'm assured of? What I I am assured of is that God is speaking to your life and my question is are you obeying because if you are not obeying you are deceived let me give you what this word deceived means it means to reason besides what beside oneself it is used as a mathematical equation and it's when someone does a miscalculation now listen if you're balancing your checkbook and you add a zero you got a problem because you're going to think you're balling and you are not. You're going to be writing checks that are bouncing all over the place. And guess what? That extra zero is going to cost you a bunch of zeros. Hello. Listen, your bank account is zero in comparison to your walk with Jesus. And when we hear God's word, James is saying, don't deceive yourself. Don't sit there and hear the word of God. And in our culture, I'm going to tell you the problem here is that we have a culture and churches filled with ear-tickling, emotion-stirring, pop psychology preachers who are more concerned with impressing sinners than saving them and seeing them sanctified. Or like Paul says in the book of Galatians, that he is laboring in pain over them in, in order for what? To see Christ formed in them. Listen, I had to repent of this because I'm not this ear-tickling, emotion-stirring, all that kind of stuff. Kyle, we were in our connect group, and we were talking. He says, man, I don't like coming to your church. And I'm like, why? He's like, man, because every time I leave, it's like, ouch. And I thank God he came back because, you know, he was joking. But here's the thing. The beauty 
of this is, is look, we, I'm, I had to repent because you know what I do when I sit down? Listen, I pray for you and I think about you, but then I also think about, man, what's this one going to think or what's this one going to say? And I had to say, man, I don't care what this one thinks or this one says. Listen, I am not the pop psychology preacher. I'm not trying to make you feel good about yourself. I'm trying to make you feel real good about Jesus. I'm trying to let you know that he died for your sin. I'm trying to let you know that he is the hope for every sin that you commit, that he can deliver you from every sin you commit, that he is there to strengthen you, that he does not want to leave you, but he wants you to respond to his conviction. And when you are being disobedient, do not think that you can live how you want to live. Do not think that it is okay. Listen, it's not about checking a box in my heart of hearts. I don't know who the latest hip-hop guy is or that group is. The only reason why I dress like this is because of Joseon. And so here's the thing, okay? I mean, I'm saying, I'm watching this guy, and I'm like, man, I got to at least get some new clothes. But here's the thing. The truth is, I love you, bro. The, the, the truth is that when we look at our lives and what we are in church, my biggest desire is not to impress you because I'm all up on what's going on. I don't know what's going on anywhere. I know one thing. Jesus died. He rose again. I know that, and I know that he requires us to live holy for him. And my prayer and my heart is that when you leave here every week, that you have a greater desire to please him, and that you know exactly how it is that you can please him in a greater way when you leave. That's what I want you to know. That's my desire. And listen, sadly, our culture is filled with people that, hey, man, they just want to tickle your ears. They want to fill their seats. And that's not my heart. If it was, I wouldn't be preaching this. Too many Christians... Mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark their lives. I had a guy tell me one day he had a Bible. And I preached a sermon a year later that I had preached. And he told me, he said, man, right here, he's like, I see, you know, where you preach this sermon, you know, at this date, because I wrote down the date. And I was like, that's good. What have you done with that sermon since the time that I preached it? Too many of us, we're right, we, we mark our Bibles. Nowadays, we don't even mark our Bibles because we do everything on our iPhones. We might highlight maybe once in a while here. We may post on Facebook to show how spiritual we are. Amen. Bible verse of the day. Amen. Glory to God. I'm really spiritual. I got my Bible verse in. A Bible verse of the day keeps the devil away. That's not scripture, y'all. I'm letting you know. The Bible says submit to God, resist the devil. We're going to get there in James. And he will flee. That's what the scriptures say. We must carefully listen. Look what look 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 what look look what he says. He says, for if that man, verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And so the word of God is compared to what? To a mirror. When we come to God's word on a personal level, when you sit down in your daily devotional time, which I pray that you have, and if you don't, I pray that you begin today. Now, don't wait for tomorrow. Do it today. When you leave here, you're like, I'm going to be real spiritual on Sunday. Be real spiritual today. If you, don't have, if you don't have a time that you spend with God, sit down. And when you sit down in God's word, understand that you are looking in a book that is supposed to be reflective. It is a book that is supposed to show you the character, the image, who Jesus is, what Jesus looks like, what his character is like. And as you look into that book, understand you are comparing yourself to that character. Am I like him? Am I loving like him? Am I gracious like him? Am I walking in peace and patience like him? Am I living like him? Am I as bold as he is? And when you look into the word of God and you don't see Jesus in your reflection, then you allow God to do what? To transform your heart. 
to transform the way that you live. When God is showing you a reflection, it's just like you. How many of y'all looked in the mirror today? Raise your hand if you looked in the mirror today. Want everybody to look in the mirror today? Some of y'all don't want to raise your hands. You want to lie, but it's okay. But listen, you don't want to lie. You just feel like raising your hand. But whatever. Here's the thing. Every, you know, most everybody looked in the mirror. Even if, you, even if you just glanced, I'm pretty sure you didn't just get up and say, well, I'm just going to put this on. I'm walking out the door. I'm not brushing my teeth. Some of you were standing in front of a mirror when you brushed your teeth. Hello, somebody. All y'all looked in the mirror. Come on now. I didn't say, were you, you know, looking at yourself? I spent 30 minutes in front of a mirror today. I had to shave. Hello, somebody. Ain't, no, ain't much to look at. Like, hey, my hair's doing great today. I'm, you know, I shaved my beard so it's a lot easier. But here's the deal. The reality is that we all look in the mirror. And what do we look in the mirror for? We look in the mirror to make sure things look right. And when we, and when we walk away from that mirror and things don't look right, what do we do? Come on now, y'all. We fix whatever's messed up. That's what we do. So we don't have to do what? So we don't have to be looking crazy. Mm-hmm. Some of y'all are like, but listen. We all are looking into the mirror of God's word. What are we doing with what God is saying to us? Look what he says in verse 20. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. That word, there, that word group there, looks into, it means to gaze upon. It means to meditate on. It means to look over it and over it and over it and to continue to be in it. This is what he said. He's saying the one who looks into, who gazes into the perfect law of liberty. Understand, the word of God examines our heart. It restores our heart, but it transforms our heart as well. It is the perfect law of liberty. And you continues in it. Say, continues in it. Not, not, not just reading it, not just memorizing it, but continues in it. And it's not a forgetful hearer. That's the reason why I tell you meditate on the word of God. Don't just read it once. I mean, re 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 rehearse it. Go over and over throughout your day. What are you doing with it? It says, and this one will be blessed in what he does. Let me tell you something. The moment you, you sincerely said to Jesus, I do, he blessed you. You, you listen, you're not going to receive any more blessing. I, I know you may disagree with this. Understand what I'm saying. The moment you came to Jesus, you were as blessed as you are ever going to be. What you begin to see in your life as you obey the word of God is his blessings unfolding in your life. How do I know this? Book of Genesis. What does he do? He creates Adam and Eve. What's the first thing he does after he creates them? He blesses them. And then he tells them, be fruitful and multiply. Because here's what you got to understand about our God. He doesn't ask you to do anything. He hasn't supplied you the ability to do already. And his ability is in his blessing upon your life. Because he filled you with all the grace, all the power. We're saved by grace, are we not? By the grace and by the power of God. But as we continue in the word of God, that's how we see the fullness of his blessings overflow in our life. And that's what James is calling us to. The third thing I'd ask you to repeat is this. Say, we must ensure our public worship aligns with the word of God we must ensure our public worship aligns with the word of God look at verse 20 26 and 27 he says if anyone among you thinks he is religious or spiritual that, that's what he's saying here anyone who thinks that he is holy if anyone who thinks of himself that way and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this one's religion is useless worthless gaka garbage it's worth nothing 
If you're a foul-mouthed gossip, your religion is worth nothing. Listen, we live in a day and age where people think they can talk however they want to talk. The Bible says, no, you cannot. Or you can, and you can just admit your religion is worthless. We can just talk about people how we want to talk about them. We can just run our mouth about people. We can just, I mean, just, anyway, y'all, y'all know what I'm saying. The other day I was talking, the other day I was preaching, I said, you know, you shouldn't drop an F-bomb every day. I wasn't condoning you ever dropping an F-bomb. Understand that. I was never, I was never trying to say, hey, just drop an F-bomb every once in a while, you're good with Jesus. That's not what I was saying. My point was, you shouldn't habitually, like every other word out of your mouth, or whenever you get upset, it's got to be an F-bomb. Like, seriously? Like, where is your sanctification? Like, where is it that Jesus washed your mouth out with that soap of the Holy Ghost? I'm just saying. Like, when did that not happen for you? Well, it could be the people that you're around. It could be the music that you're listening to. It could be the stuff that you're watching and that is continuing to contaminate your heart. It could be that kind of stuff. So you know what that means? Shut the TV off. Change the radio station. That's what that could mean. That's what, that, that, that's what can be happening. It could just be that you're not in God's word enough and his word is not changing. You understand this. God's word will change our words. When we're in his word, his word will change our words. He will change the way that we speak. And then he goes on to say in verse 27, he says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble. And so in other words, we should care about the less fortunate, should we not? We should care about those who are hurting. We should care in this culture, in the, in the time when James is being written, on um, widows and, you know, and orphans, there was no, you know, there weren't like orphanages like we have today. There was a, it was a different type of scenario. Widows, it wasn't like today that, you know, there was all of these inheritance that were being given. You know, it wasn't that kind of stuff. That, that type of stuff wasn't back then. Today it's a different culture. It doesn't mean that we don't care about widows. Hello, somebody doesn't mean we don't care about those who are hurting, those who are in trouble. We should be caring about them. We should be concerned about them. When was the last time you did something for someone that was in less need than you? When was the last time you cared for someone that was in less need than you? You know, Sister Marissa, she's here today, and she, you know, her hair is nice and short now. And, you know, she let her hair grow down, and then she showed on Facebook she got her hair cut. And it was to bless some people. I don't even know who it was for, but it was to bless those who were in need. That's what she did. That, that's her heart. That's the kind of heart we're supposed to have if we love Jesus. I don't have any hair, so I can't do that. <laughs> At the end of the day, though, we can find ways that we can bless and be something. But let me talk to you about this last one because a lot of us don't want to talk about this last one. This last one he said to be unspotted from the world. Say unspotted from the world. So to be unspotted from the world. And so what is, he, what, what is he telling us here? He is telling us that there needs to be some purity in our lives. That we are supposed to be unspotted from the world. That our lives are supposed to look different. That our lives are not supposed to be contaminated by this world system. That's what he's saying. You call yourself a believer? Where is the greatest influences in your life? Is it God's word? Is it holiness? Is it living for his glory? Somebody bought my wife, I think somebody bought it. You know, this thing, do all things, whether you eat or whether you drink, do it to the glory of God. Is that how you live? That everything I'm doing says I want to bring glory to God. This is what James is telling us here. To remain unspotted from the world. So I have a little illustration that I want to do here. And so I'm a guy, I like to wear undershirts because I sweat a lot. That's a reality. 
And so what happens is I buy undershirts probably every six months because after about six months, and if somebody has a solution to this, please let me know. I would like to stop buying undershirts. But nonetheless, after about six months, my undershirts look like this. I won't show you the pits because it's pitiful. I don't even care. You can see them. It don't matter to me. But this shirt, if you looked at it, right, at face value, you would think this is a white shirt. I mean, it looks it's a white shirt. It's a little dingy or whatever the case is, but it's white. But then what happens is this is a shirt that's about six months old, and this is a shirt that's two weeks old. And even in the lighting in this room, which is very dim, and it's not, you know, if I put it under bright lights, you would really see the difference. But you can tell right here that there are differences between this white and this white. And what I want you to understand is that this white right here is the white that God calls us to. That we are not contaminated by this world like this. And I got this illustration as I was thinking about this because it's about all of life. It's not about getting a stain on your shirt. It's about remaining unspotted from the world. It's about not letting them listen. The world shouldn't be spotting your marriage. The world shouldn't be spotting the way you raise your children. The world shouldn't be spotting the way you respect young people. Hello, somebody. The way you respect and honor your parents. The world should not be spotting the way that you deal with your brothers and sisters in Christ. The world should not be spotting the way that we relate one with another. The world shouldn't be spotting any area of our lives. See, I wasn't going to bring the illustration. I was like, ah, no, I'm not going to bring it. But this morning when I was getting ready, in, in my room, whenever I wash clothing, I put the clothes, I lay the shirts flat because I don't like wrinkled shirts, even if they're undershirts. Hello. I'm a little picky, but here's the deal. I lay them flat on the bottom of my bed, and so my wife, she's in the bathroom. The bathroom light is on in the room, and I was getting ready to go grab an undershirt, and my white shirts were laying down there. And what happened was I went to grab this shirt. And in the dark, you know what I had to do? I had to look at the label to find out which shirt it was. Because what I do to make sure that I know which shirt, you know, um, transition I'm in, I buy Fruit of a Loom one six months and then I buy Hanes the next six months. So I can always tell which is which. Because when they get dingy, it's kind of, I've told y'all, I'm picky. I'm like that. But listen, that's just me. I do the laundry. It's okay. Amen. Huh? So, so that's what I do. But in the dark, I couldn't tell the difference between this shirt and this shirt. I needed to look at the label. And the reason I bring that illustration is because that's how we are as the church today. We're trying to dress in the light of other people instead of the direct light of God Almighty. We're trying to dress in the dark and act like everything is okay when God is trying to show us, no, this is not okay. This is being spotted by the world. And the church today, the reason why we don't know what is right or wrong is because we are living that kind of life. And so my prayer and my hope is that you're not being spotted by the world, but that you are being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. That you're being empowered by the spirit of grace. Because the beauty of this is while I have no clue how to resurrect this shirt from being like this to being like this, Jesus does. Because his blood can make it all white again. His grace makes us all white again, makes us able to stand firm. So here is my closing question for you. How is your hearing? How's your hearing? Are you just hearing the word and walking away like you didn't hear anything? Are you hearing the word and responding to God's truth? Listen, if you're hard of hearing, today's a day for you to repent of that. Today's a day 
for you to say, God, I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to be a forgetful hearer of your word. I was talking to Josian the other day. Last Monday, he called me up, or he sent me a text, and he was like, hey, Bishop, are you busy? And you know, that's a great question to always ask me. Um, and I was like, well, I'm on the way to my softball game. I said, um, you know, I can call you on the way there, or I can call you when I get done. And he was like, no, nah, give me a call afterwards. And so, you know, whenever someone sends me a text, they want to actually talk, because most people just want to text. I get nervous, and I was like, is everything okay? And he was like, yeah, everything's good. He's like, I just want to talk to you about taking next steps and, you know, my walk with Christ. I was like, oh, that's awesome. So I was excited. I played the best game I've ever played, even though we lost. But nonetheless, I was very motivated by Josian's text. <laughs> I'm just kidding about that. I thought I was okay. But here's the thing. I don't care about all that. But, when, but, when, but Josian and I got on the phone, and we talked on the phone. He was sharing with me, uh, you know, how God had been dealing with him. And I won't give you all of those details there. If you want to hear it, you can talk to him. But he started talking to me about how God, is with, God, God was dealing with him. And, you know, he wants to take this next step in his walk with God. He wants to go further with the Lord. He wants to serve God more hardcore. He wants to bring people to Jesus because God started doing something deep in his heart. And I'm like, well, praise God. He's like, so what do I need to do? And so, you know me, I got plenty of ideas. And I'm like, well, bro, you need to be in the Word of God. You need to start reading the Scriptures daily. I'm like, you need to get with Minister Juan and get with some other young men in the church. And so I'm calling any other young man in the church that you're really serious about God. You need to come tap Josie on after the service and let him know that you want to get together with him. But what happens is I said, get in the word of God. You know, get some accountability in your life. Learn how to read the scripture. And so I gave him some steps to do that. And, and I'm, you know, he received it. Texted me the next day. I'm like, hey, man, did you get the email? He was like, yes, thank you, blah, blah, blah. So this morning I just follow up with him in love. And I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? And he tells me honestly. He's like, man, it's harder than I thought. And I wasn't like, yo, man, you suck, bro. How could you say that? Why would I do that? I know it's harder than I thought. Tomorrow morning when I go to get up at whatever time I decide to get up to pray, it's going to be harder than I thought because I'm going to think I can do that Tuesday. I'm going to think. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to think tomorrow morning when my alarm goes off. I'm going to think just like this. I'm going to be like, man, I just preached two sermons yesterday, and I preached hard. And I'll be like, man, and I went over to, you know, Minister Juan's house, and we hung out over there, and then I came home, and I finished the clothes, and I folded the clothes, and I did all this. I'm going to be like, man, I deserve to sleep. This is what I'm going to think tomorrow morning. It's harder than you think. There's a battle in your flesh to keep you away from God's word. What Josian humbly and sincerely confessed is the reality for all of us. And so the question for me is, how is your hearing? Are you hearing the word of God and obeying it? Or are you just letting the part that is harder than you think get the best of you? Let's all stay on our feet, please. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to tell you, listen, man, if you know God is speaking to you this morning, you say, God, I want to be a faithful hearer and doer of your word. I want to have a hearing that responds to you, God. I want to walk in obedience to you, and I want to make a commitment to you with my pastor and whoever else may come up here. And if it's just you and me, that's all good. But listen, I want to commit today afresh to God Almighty to be a hearer and doer of his word. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you say that, I'm going to ask you to just step forward right now. Just come forward with me, and let's pray together. Let's pray to God together. Let's talk to our God together. Don't wait for your neighbor, please. If you want to come, just come. Just come forward. Let's make a public declaration. God, I hear you, and I want to respond. I'm not going to sit back anymore. I'm not going to stay in the sidelines. I'm not going to stay in the pews any longer. I want to be a doer of your word. 
I recognize this battle is real. Listen, his word is able. We have to be those that are in the scriptures, that are in the word of God, and that are letting God's words change our lives. It's time for you to come if you want to come up, but I'm going to go ahead and pray. I'm going to ask you if you're on this altar, grab somebody's hand. I want, I want you to pray for that person beside you. I'm going to pray to lead us before God Almighty that we would be faithful in our prayer. Hallelujah. Father God, we come unto you right now, Lord God. You see our hearts, God. Father, you know our hearts. You know the hearts of those that have responded here. You even know the hearts of those that are in their seats and they're struggling, Lord God. That battle is real, Lord. There's a war that is being waged for them. And so, Father, today I pray for every one of us, Lord God, that responded right now. Father, let us not be hearers alone of your word, but let us be doers of it. Let us be faithful to respond to your truth. Let us not be deceived any longer. Father God, I come against that spirit of deception in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the lies of the enemy. I rebuke the comforts that we may find ourselves in. And I pray, Lord God, by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would break us free from every area of comfort that we've had outside of obedience to your word. Today, Father God, we stand and be before you and we pray, God, that you fill us with grace, that you fill us with power, that you fill us with the ability to move forward and the power of your love and obedience to your truth, God. Father, I pray that you fill us with your strength. Let us never be the same after this day, God. And I pray for those, Lord God, in this place that didn't respond, Lord Jesus, to come forward. But Father, they're battling. They're battling, Lord God. There's a struggle, Lord Jesus. Father, give them the grace to overcome that battle. Let the weight of this truth, Lord God, be upon them. And from this day forward, Lord God, may our hearing be open. May our hearts be attentive to you. And may we abide in your word and faith and obedience. In Jesus' great name, amen and amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hug somebody as you're on your way to your seat.